What's terrifying for me is that the fear is your friend. Like it's the person at the, you know, the guy at the deli counter or the neighbor or your, your like good person that you know because you don't know if they have the virus. So it's like now the fear is like invisible and everybody is the, is the quote unquote enemy. Hello and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides navigating a pandemic. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin. And today I'm speaking to Bert James from New York City. Bert is originally from Alabama, but has been living in the Big Apple for more than 20 years. He's held a dozen different jobs. And apart from tour guiding, Bert is an actor, an improviser and a sketch comedian. I would have been in a mental institution if I didn't have the tour as an aspect to get the performance bug out. For this episode, we spoke about 9-11 and Hurricane Sandy. We touched upon the indefinite suspension of the 24-hour subway system, but we started our conversation talking about how New York is dealing with the pandemic. Now, when we recorded this conversation, George Floyd was still alive, journalists were not yet being arrested, and Donald Trump hadn't tear-gassed peaceful protesters in order to get his picture taken. So, I called Bert up again on Tuesday, and asked if he'd be willing to give me a brief update on the current situation in New York. The, the, the police are just military. Like, it's just, it's baffling to me. You can hear that updated conversation at the end of the episode. Here is Bert James. Um, maybe we can first start with sort of the very real issues. Um, you are living in New York City. Um, we across the pond are hearing all kinds of horror stories of things that are going on there. Could you maybe just describe a little bit about what the the city is like during lockdown? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's interesting because when you're inside your apartment, you're a little bit. I mean, obviously isolated from everything that's going on, so you see it on TV. I walk through the neighborhood. I try to do like a daily walk and take pictures and things and. You you know, you hear the sirens and you hear the ambulances, which in the last few weeks has definitely petered out a little bit. I mean, there was a time in like mid early April where every every sound was an ambulance going down the street, coming down the street, up and down, up and down. Um, it's such a strange thing to sometimes forget when you're like just you're doing dishes or, you know, like watering something in the garden and you forget and then you hear a siren and you're like, oh, right, right where this is, yeah, this is the new reality. All right, did you at any point, um, maybe in the beginning when the city actually went on lockdown and all these restrictive measures came into place, did you at any point felt scared about being where you were? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was um, kind of fleeting because, I mean, the humans, you just adapt and get used to whatever it is and everything becomes normalized. But um, in the very beginning, it was my very last tour. It was a Thursday, the 10th or 11th or somewhere in like that. I remember my group. They were like a lovely group of senior citizens that were all visiting from Texas. And they were here on a theater trip. And they were very concerned that like their theater trip was going to be canceled. And during the tour, that's when Cuomo made the announcement that Broadway had been shut down. Mm-hmm. And when Broadway got shut down, that was like, was like, oh, Damn it. Do you know what I mean? Like instantly I felt bad for them because they were like, you know, here for this trip. And I mean, maybe some of them won't be coming back to New York, you know, in their in their lifetime. And then like I was like, oh, I have to go to the grocery store. Like I've got to I've got to go. You know, there was like that instant thing kicked in of like, well, what if they run out of everything? This was before the like toilet paper, you know, craziness and all that stuff. Um, 
And I remember I, I like texted my friend David and I was like, because we had been talking about when we needed to make a run for the grocery store. And I was like, go to the grocery store. <laughs> like, go get some beef. Well, this he doesn't eat meat. But, this yeah. is it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I definitely uh, had that moment as well at some point. It, it was all very civil over here. Um, like, even at the moment that people were most sort of panicky about it all, uh, we didn't have massive massive queues and I didn't never felt like everything was completely run down but there's definitely a moment I thought like oh I need to stuck up on some I, w- stuff, I will say know? like the grocery store like that Thursday that I, I went after I got home from the tour one thing that was bothersome I don't, I don't think that's the right word just like uh, odd was how scared everybody looked like inside shopping. No, but there was no, you know, huge line. They had it all under control and, you know, but people looked scared. And there was lots of like, oh, excuse me and thank you. And after, you know what I mean? Like there was like a, an over politeness, which New Yorkers do get a really bad rap for being rude. They're actually very, very kind people. But like that that first few days, it was like, it was very reminiscent of 9-11. After 9-11, it was like everybody was just so... Uh, polite and friendly and you know yeah now we're we're two months on um uh, yeah uh, the president of the united states and of course many states and other people are talking about lifting restrictions uh getting the economy back on track um has the initial fear of maybe food running out or getting ill or the hospitals overflowing um made way for other kinds of worries well, I mean, definitely in this industry, you know, I like, do I have a job when I'm, when this is over, which I don't think this will ever be over, but when this, you know, phases, you know, in the different phases that it's going to come to getting back to normalcy, um, like what is a, f- I'm a food tour guide specifically. It's like, what does a food tour look like? Because uh, the restaurants, like we can't run our tours if the restaurants aren't running the restaurants. And yeah, I'm, I'm in a, in a really good position in that the company I work for, it's called Foods of New York and the owner, uh, Todd Lefkowick is, I mean, he's like the best boss you could ever have. He's been in constant communication. And what I love about what he's doing is is he's already you know thinking about, well, what does a food tour look like in the future? It doesn't look like our old tours. You know, we used to sell the tour out at 16 and he's already saying like, you know, they're going to have to we're going to have to cap it out at eight and 10. And yeah, so I feel his stance is that the company will not close under any circumstance. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. You are running food tours. How, how, how did you get? into that i when i first started as a tour guide i've been 15 years i started in um 2005 and i worked in restaurants and i started as just like a history tour guide and i specifically did these they were called duck tours it was the amphibious bus that goes through Times square and then into the hudson river and it was i mean awful (laughs) it was just like it was just like you say shit show of a company that was a shit show of a company um and then i uh, met this lady and she was doing chocolate tours. So I got introduced to the world of like a tasting tour. And I did that for a few years. And then I met Todd who does, uh, at the time he was doing um, pretty much only Greenwich Village food tours. He started it about 20 years ago and I met him and we became friendly. And then I started working for him in 2011. Um, and f- I mean, it's like the best kind of tour. Like people that book a food tour, they come to have fun. 
they want to eat, they want to talk, you tell stories. There's definitely history incorporated into it. Um, but it's it's my favorite my favorite company I've worked for by far, but it's my favorite kind of tour that I've ever given. But Bert, you have to you have to talk with these people all the time. How do you do that? Oh, it's it's a constant. I, I train the tour guides for the comp for for uh, for Foods in New York, and one thing that I talk about all the time is like this is conversation, not presentation. Like there are other companies where it's like you're giving presentations of different things in it. It's a constant flow of conversation. So you have to like that. You have to be able to do that, and you have to say, you know, because people will ask. I've been doing this for a long time, and you know this. People ask you the same questions over and over again. So you have to be able to answer it every time, as if like. That's the first time you've ever answered that question, which requires like a genuine enthusiasm to, you know, I love talking about myself and I love to hear myself talk. So it's great. <laughs> it works out perfect. <laughs> now you've, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, it, of course, there's many of us never knew that this was what they were going to do. But was there a moment after you had been doing this for a couple of years or maybe a decade or so that you realized Oh no, this is actually what I do and this is actually what I want to be doing, what I'm going to be doing um for yeah, I don't know how long. Well, I I I am an actor. I would say I'm an actor and a performer first. And so this is a well, one, the hours are phenomenal to be able to go to auditions and things, but also it like it keeps you like you're constantly performing. So you're always writing jokes for the tour and you know, keeps your writing skills sharp, keeps performance skills sharp. There was like a 10 year period where I, I wouldn't say that I gave up on acting, but like I took a break. And I mean, honestly, I smoked way too much pot for like 10 years and just got really bored with every, you know. Um, and then I quit smoking pot a few years ago, right before I turned 40 and I got back into performing. And when I look back on that 10 years, I would have been in a mental institution if I didn't have the tour as an aspect to get the performance bug out. It was a way to still perform, but not pursue acting like and going on auditions. This is yeah. This is something I, I think for a lot of us uh, sort of to hold on to. Um, is is this something you you still see yourself doing in in uh, like maybe ten years or something? If if I in a normal world, if I won the lottery or if I booked, you know a spot, a national commercial that, you know, paid the rent for three months, I would still insist that I do at least one tour a week just because I enjoy doing it. You you have lived through several crises. I mean, New York has, has seen a couple. Of course, 9-11, you have the Hurricane Sandy. How, how, how does this one compare in, in terms of how people think and talk about it, how people react to it? I think initially it was you, like, compared it to 9-11 because that was like a big deal. 2003, the blackout, my to me, was like one of the greatest nights in New York's history because it was so soon after 9-11 that once everybody realized that it wasn't a terrorist attack, I feel like the city took its first big collective breath where it was just like, oh, this is fine. So it was just a party. Everything was free. It was fabulous. Like, no, there were no murders. There was no crime. Free ice cream or you could ever eat the bar. It was just, it was it was awesome. Um, so I don't really consider that a tragedy as much as, like, it was a big healing balm for the city that the city really, really, really needed. Um, I think 9-11 is the closest. The difference is, is 
After 9-11, I mean, you were, of course, scared, but you were scared to meet in a group, which so that's similar now. You know, you, 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 you don't really want to be in a group of people. But then it became this like uh, internal protest or even an outward protest where it's like, we're not going to let the terrorists win. We're Americans and we're going to go to Broadway and we're going to go to the baseball games and blah, blah, blah. So you did that as like, you know, the terrorists don't win. But, and, but there was a fear and it was a fear of a bomb or it was a fear of a car bomb or it was this – this almost like a fear that that was there was a clear defined enemy that you we you could collectively not like and then now i think that what the 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 what's terrifying for me is that the fear is your friend like it's the person at the you know the guy at the deli counter or the neighbor or your your like good person that you know because you don't know if they have the virus so it's like now the fear is like invisible and everybody is the is the quote-unquote enemy do you know and that's ugh, that's awful well i was also another thing that i've been thinking about of the last week or so is that w we get to go outside it's 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 not that heavily restricted here in Berlin. You get to go outside. Of course, you can't meet with every, anybody, but you're still able to make long walks and go to different neighborhoods and just experience the city. But the fact that I can't really go into any shops, like shops are closed and many of the bakeries and cafes and bars, you, you only can sort of on a distance engage with them. It makes me feel really out of touch with the city, even though I walk through it. I don't feel at all connected with it at this moment. That makes I do really sense. miss this. I see the city on the news versus seeing it in person. And again, I try to take daily walks with my camera and, you know, but even then it's like you, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's strange. Cause like you said, you're, you're not connecting with it. Uh, you know, I see pictures of it on the internet but even like being in it it's yeah i don't know it's it's very odd to describe what about your future um like i, I know nobody really knows um but do you in, in, yeah what kind of thoughts do you have about the future and making money and doing a job and stuff well i mean i'm i'm hoping that the film and tv industry is um gonna you know be lucrative again, hopefully by the fall. Hopefully, I'm just kind of like, <laughs> just really hoping that by everything is figured out or not figured out, but everything is on some path back to getting normal by July 31st. Because once this supplemental unemployment insurance runs out, then like I'm not able to get by anymore. So I'm hoping that there's some kind of um, windfall, be it through booking a commercial or, you know, the tours, being able to do one or two a week or... Yeah. I try. I mean, honestly, I try. I'm, I'm very much a person that has a plan. Like I've like, like I mentioned before, before I turned 40, when I quit smoking pot and like got back into acting, I have this like five year plan of what I expected. Um, I'm a good planner, but I didn't, there was nowhere in the plan that had a worldwide pandemic. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, it's replanning and, you know, hoping that, um, hoping that the world is a better place on the other side of it. What do you, what do you think your city will look like or, or how do you think your city is going to yeah like what is your city going to be like post pandemic i <clears throat> i'm i'm really worried for new york if i'm going to be completely honest uh the subways are now shutting down between um 1 a.m and 5 a.m 
And I read this article yesterday that, and again, this goes back to curating your news and, you know, which which uh, articles you're reading that, you know, influence your mood for that day. Um, but it talked about how it, it is very unlikely that the subways will ever be 24 hours again. And that, even though I'm not in nightlife anymore, and again, I'm usually, you know, I like to be in bed by like 11. Um, if the subways are going to start shutting down at 1 a.m. indefinitely, then what does that look like for nightlife? Like if bars are going to be open until 4 a.m., like how does that work anymore? So do bars start shutting down at 12 so that their employees can get on the subway by 1? How does that affect like uh, nurses that work overnight? Sh- like it's just that that bothers me. That worries me. And one of the, I think one of the greatest things New York City has to offer is its food and its restaurants and the the I mean these are artists that are cooking these restaurants and how does that affect? Do people want to sit together? Like do we want to be that close? You know, uh, if you've ever eaten at a restaurant in New York, it's you're if you're a two top, you're next to another two top, like you're eating with them. Do you know what I mean? Like you hear the conversations, you know, one of the greatest entertaining things that you can do in New York <clears throat> is to sit in a restaurant and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully be seated next to a first date. So you get to hear all the like glorious, awkward conversation that comes from that. And it's just, it's, you know, so all those types of little interactions that make the city like very, very, very special um well where is that does that happen does it come back is it changed do we get over it Uh, yeah so yeah i'm 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 concerned for new york on a lot of levels well bert uh i want to sort of maybe leave it with that and um thank you so much for for chatting to me for taking the time this morning to yeah speak your mind and uh share share with us your experiences of the city um I hope to yeah maybe speak to you also in the future and and I I'm yeah I would actually love that and thank you so much for reaching out this has been a great conversation I've enjoyed it I love the I love the concept of what you're doing I think it's I think it's fantastic I really really appreciate that it's good it's great to hear well you have a wonderful rest of your day and um I speak to you soon awesome thank you so much stay safe Bert James everybody from New York City Our cities are currently undergoing tremendous changes. We've all been experiencing the immediate effects of the lockdown. But what Bert's talking about here is the long-term results on his beloved city. Will the things that made him fell in love with New York still be there in post-corona times? Will one of the most famous cities in the world forever lose its mass appeal? Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, I called Bert up again on Tuesday and asked him to share his take on what's currently going on in New York City. Hi, how are you? Hey, Bert. Nice to nice to talk to you again. You too. Yeah, um, like it's it's been a it's been a little while since we talked. About a month. Um, little that we know uh, what was in store for us. Uh, we didn't have any protests yet. We didn't have any, yeah, sort of uh, cities on fire, if you if you want to call it that way. Yeah, maybe you can explain a little bit about how you've been experiencing the last week or two. Well, I mean. I think we talked about this before about how the information you're receiving is very curated of which which version of it that you're getting. So it's very interesting to me that I've tried to see because of where I'm from in Alabama, I have lots of people posting on their social media with um, a, a different viewpoint because they're being fed it to them by Fox News. Um, so it's they're not called protests, they're called rioters, and they're called hooligans and thugs, not protesters, when you're viewing it from that bubble. Um, 
here, like you walk through the streets and it is more calm in the last two or three days, but the military, the, the police are just military. Like it's just, it's baffling to me. Is there any, um, like I, I noticed that um, also New York City had a curfew at yes. some point. It um, lifted Sunday. It lifted Sunday. Is that because mm -hmm. the protests had sort of died down a little bit? or, or what? I, I don't think the protests have died down. Sunday was actually one of the biggest days. I think that they've gotten more peaceful. And I think that it was, I mean, with the protest, like they were doing this eight o'clock protest, or sorry, eight o'clock curfew. And what the police at NYPD was doing were literally blocking people in on the bridges and on streets right at 7.30 so that they couldn't leave. And then at eight, then they go in and attack everybody. It, it, it was, it was, it was, so it was almost a reason to instigate violence. So if the protesters fought back, now you have a reason to go in harder. And, and what, what baffles me, what baffles me is so much of this was being recorded. And it was almost like all these videos of the police, like attacking protesters, pulling down their masks, spraying them with pepper spray. It's like, you know, you're being recorded. So it almost seemed like a, on purpose, like, look at this, look what we're going to do. And what are you going to do about it? Mayor uh, Bill de Blasio had, had just announced that he's going to cut the funding for the police force. I don't know exactly for how much, maybe seven. Well, well what he said was he's going to, he didn't say cut the funding. He's going to reallocate funds to some service. He didn't say how much or to what service. So that's, again, just like, you know, everybody calm down. I'm going to do something. He's not going to do anything. Okay. So so because my question was, is this celebrated as the start of, of change or is this just something to calm the protesters down? It's just something to calm the protesters down. He said it was going to go, I believe, to some sort of youth service. He didn't say what or how or how much or when or what service or what's the follow-up. So yeah, that was completely, completely to placate. Also, the governor, there was a, um, during a conference, God, my days have run together, but I don't know, three or four days ago, maybe a little longer, one of the reporters asked him, like, well, what about this police brutality and the police, like, attacking protesters? It's on videos everywhere. And he just flat out said, I haven't seen that. And, and that's not an opinion. Like, that's not even an opinion. That's not happening. So it's like one of those things, like it's no different than Trump. Like you just say the same lie over and over and over again. That's not happening. I don't know. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Well, you're going to have some people that just believe that didn't happen. They said it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And that's, you know, even the governor. What are you What are you personally sort of looking out for? Are you consuming more news at the moment? Are you following specific blogs? I try to... I've tried to take the the mentality of like I've not I'm not posting on my social media at all and I'm a very happy poster. I post my garden and you know acting stuff and my dead dog Vernon that everybody loves. <laughs> and like so my 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 post is always I've tried to be non-political. It's happy stuff and it's a very branded type of content that I post on my Facebook and social media. It's very specific things. I've quit posting anything that is not a resource of here's where to protest here are black restaurants that you can support here. Do you know what I mean? Like trying to be, um, I read something that I, I really took to heart is it, it said white people need to be very aware of the real estate that they're taking up on social media. So I'm trying to make sure that everything that I post is some sort of a resource in some way or another, that it's not just like, look at my flowers that I'm growing or look at, you know, my new brooch or whatever it is, you know? 
How how um, maybe as a last question? How do you see the uh, yeah the, the current protest and the movement behind it uh, develop, and especially in 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 your city? Do you think this these these protests are going to go on for a I while to so. come, or I are really you seeing them so. petering out? Yeah, because like I think the uh, you know one of the reasons people are able to protest is like they're not working. Do you know what I mean? There's like 40, 40%, no, 40 million unemployed, like 16% unemployment rate at this point in the country. So, uh, you know, when you go back to a 40 hour work week, you, you can't protest to the, to the degree that they are now. So I say go March. Well, Bert, uh, that was it. Very, very brief, but uh, thank you so much for uh, yeah taking the time to deliver this update. Thank you so much. And it was good to hear from you. If you want to know more about the Black Lives Matter movement, you can find more information in the show notes. For those who are living in Europe and don't entirely understand what this all has to got to do with us, I've added a great article published yesterday by The Guardian called What Black America Means to Europe. And as I mentioned earlier, I've much enjoyed and learned from the book Afropean by Johnny Pitts. Bert James is not tour guiding at the moment, but you can find some of his hilarious cooking videos on his website called bertjamesyes.com. I strongly recommend checking out the beer cheese video. If you enjoyed the show and you want to be part of the wider discussion around tour guides and tourism, come and find our private Facebook group. It's called The Low Season Real Talk. And apart from discussions, we'll be sharing a whole bunch of extra content in there. That's it for today. We're back on Monday with another guide from the United States, Andrew Wong from San Francisco. I'm very glad to see that we're yelling, that we're screaming, that we're demanding change, that we're planning. I just really hope that we can continue this momentum and continue to stay safe throughout COVID. Music is by Mark Schilders, artwork by Christopher White, Georgia Ryungus dropping podcast memes like it's 2004. Speak soon, my friends. One of the greatest entertaining things that you can do in New York is to sit in a restaurant and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully be seated next to a first date. So you get to hear all the like glorious, awkward conversation that comes from that. And it's just, it's, you know, so all those types of little interactions that make the city like very, very, very special. Um, well, where is that? Does that happen? Does it come back? Is it changed? Do we get over it? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for New York on a lot of levels.